At the end of this week's parsha, Parshat Matot, just as the Jewish people, the Israelites, are about to enter into the land of, of Israel, we have the episode called the episode of Reuven and God, two of the tribes, and later a half of another tribe, two and a half of the 12 tribes, make an odd request. They come to Moses and they say, they come to Moshe Rabbeinu, they say, or at least the Torah tells us, they had, they had a lot of cattle, these two tribes. And they saw the land, they saw the land that was the land right on the precipice of the Jordan River as they were going into Israel. They saw that the land was extremely fertile, extremely a fecund land, a land full of abundance for their cattle. And they came to Moses and they say, this land that God has prepared for us, this very land that we've already conquered, this land, it's a land for cattle. And guess what, Moses? We've got cattle. If we find favor in your eyes, they say to Moses, let this be our inheritance, this land right here, not the land of Israel, right here, before we enter, the other side of the Jordan, the Transjordan, let this be our inheritance, because this, this feels like our land, this land. It's not, we don't have to see what's going on in the land of Israel yet. We, this is ours. This is it. We're done. And Moses responds to the, the Gideons, the God people and the Reuven people, and he says, Are your brothers going to go to war while you stay here, all settled on this side of the Transjordan? More. Why are you now inciting the other hearts of the Jewish people so that they don't go over into the land? Don't you know? This is what your brothers did when I sent them as the spies. You all remember that episode? I sent them as the spies, and this is exactly what they did. Are you like them? Are you now inciting... And then, in the resolution, B'nai God say to Moses, don't worry. If you think that we're not going to pull our weight, we promise we're going to pull our weight. We're going to go. We'll be the first ones to go fight the wars that need to be fought. We'll be there. Don't worry. We're not like those spies. We're different. In other words... We're not complaining and we're not off. Our request is legitimate. Or in other words, it's not coming from the same place. Our reticence, our resistance to enter the land of Israel is not resistance to the land of Israel. It's that we love this place. 
And in an amazing moment, in Hasidic thought, a great Hasidic Rebbe, the Ishbitzer Rebbe, the Ishbitzer Rebbe, Rabbi Mordechai Yosef Lehner of Ishbitz writes in his commentary in 1830-something, right around there, he writes, He says that this whole episode, this whole episode of the two and a half tribes who are making a claim on the non-promised land, who make a claim on the Transjordan lands, is a metaphor, he says, for every human being wherever they are, if they place a flag down in that place and say, this is the Holy Land, it has the Kedusha of Eretz Israel, it has the holiness of the, of the land of Israel. Which doesn't mean that if I claim that the Upper West Side, although some would think it is, is in the land of Israel, <laughs> that now we'll have status talks on how to divide the Upper West Side. What he means to say in his, in his beautiful invitation is, is that exile and redemption from the Hasidic perspective and from a liberal progressive perspective is a mindset. When you claim a place as yours and say, I have found my makom, I found my place, immediately the Moses in us, as the Hasidic rabbis will say, will say, wait a second, you're just copping out. You're afraid of going into that place. The same part of us that hears our resistance to walk into our sacred place will arise when we've also found it. Say, wait a second, I don't think you really love this. I think it's just fear operating. Wait, you really don't want to commit to this. You're just afraid. You really, really are not coming from the best place, Moshe says. And then that voice, the voice of God in Ruvain says, no, no, this is my place. I found my place. And I belong here and I'm making a claim. And I want you, Moses, and I want you, God, to say this too will be the promised land. And the Ishbitzer Rebbe says that if you walk into that place and say, this is my place, then that naming and that ownership confers a quality, a, a shemet, a, a, a taste of the promised land. But it's not easy to do that. What omets, what courage these tribes had, knowing all the history that Moses had, all of the, all of the stuff that had happened for them to make a claim of their truth, knowing full well that it would probably be confused with resistance. It might be confused with fear. It might be confused with running away. So often it's hard to know the difference between running towards and running away. The Gemara, the Talmud says that Elijah the prophet, whose name everywhere in our tradition means the coming redemption. Whenever Elijah is around, it means something beautiful is about to happen. And if those of you who have studied Talmud before, you'll know that Elijah always appears at the opening to something. 
He always appears at a doorway, like on Passover, or in many stories in the Talmud, he'll appear in the cave, by the entrance to the cave. The Talmud says that Elijah the prophet was from a number of different places possibly, but there's one opinion that says that he came, the tribe that he belonged to was called God. He came from the tribe of God. Which means to say that this little Parsha is about doorways. They're on the other side of Eretz Yisrael, on the other side of the land of Israel. They're standing at the doorway to Israel and they're guarding it, God and all of the Elijah energy. Which means to say that every moment that you feel that you can claim a truth is a moment of Eliyahu Navi. It's a moment of possible messianic awareness. When something feels right, when something feels good, and you make a claim on it. It can be hard with all of the noise in the city and in our own hearts and minds to be able to connect with that. We're so often taught information that's so irrelevant to living a good life. I know by the time I graduated from a very good high school on the Upper East Side of Manhattan, by the time I finished that high school, I could tell you so many things about Yiddishkeit, but it was so hard for me to tell you something about my soul. I could recite my prayers, but I couldn't tell you for a moment how I would recognize myself if I ran into myself on the street. For a moment. I didn't have a sense when I left my day school education. But I could say, it's not what I know, but what, it, what is speaking to me, what is my soul saying? So as we sit together in this three-week period, from Shiva Asai Tammuz, which was last Tuesday, until Tish Ab'av, the ninth of Ab, which commemorate 21 days of mourning, for loss, mourning for what might have been. Many of us are not mourning for the second temple's destruction in the sense that we want one day for there to be a third temple with sacrifices and blood. And, but it's not relevant, really. Whether you're praying for a third temple, actually, or you're just invoking that as a way of saying, God, please help me see Elijah in my day-to-day. -day. God, please help me recognize an invitation to own what is truly my own soul speaking. And give me the courage like Reuven, God, and Chatzim and Asher, the two and a half tribes, who against all odds spoke up to Moshe and said, this is where we belong. This is where we belong. Please rise with me on page 46 for the Aleinu.